It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. are locked on Cougars, your daily source for all things BYU sports. Welcome on in. We're going to be breaking down BYU's 7-6 loss to Northern Illinois on today's show. What I observed from watching the game live, then re-watching it, that'll be coming up here in the first and second segment. We'll also work in your thoughts on the game that you send in on social media. And finally, in the final segment of the show, we'll catch up on the other teams in Provo. A big-time redemption story for the women's soccer team. We'll tell you about what they did over the weekend to ensure they were returning to the postseason this year. Thanks again for downloading the show. This is Locked on Cougars, your daily source covering all things BYU for you, keeping you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to the Cougars. My name's Jay Catch, your host here on the podcast. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. I am their BYU beat reporter and your BYU insider here on the podcast. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at All Guard Pest Control, based right here in Utah. We'll be telling you about them here in a moment. Also brought to you by Sling TV and Vivid Seats, and we'll let you know about those companies later on in the show. Of course, the show can always be found on all of your major podcast platforms. Locked on Cougars is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can tell your smart speakers to play podcast Locked on Cougars. You can find us that way as well. And of course, you can search us out on social media. The show is found on both Facebook and on Twitter at Locked on Cougars. You can find my personal Twitter feed where I kind of post most of my stuff, BYU and otherwise, at Jacob C. Hatch. And if you have advertising questions, concerns, thoughts that you'd rather email to me, please don't hesitate to do so. And you can do that by emailing me at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Happy to speak with you there. Thanks again for downloading the show today. Uh, when words don't do your thoughts on a game justice, how about you just take it from the coaches themselves? I'm going to read a quote here, and I think you'll understand who it is from as soon as I start reading it, but here you go. Here's my here's the breakdown of how this game against Northern Illinois went. So, quote, <clears throat> We're obviously extremely happy with the outcome. The only number that matters is 7-6. to six. That's it. That was an old-school, ugly football game from start to finish. To give our team credit, we uglied it up. We uglied it up on offense. We uglied it up on defense. And the kicking game was really outstanding today. Matt Ferentz did a nice job minus that one kickoff return they had to open the game. It was ugly, and it's beautiful to us. I can tell you that in every way, shape, and form. Great words from Northern Illinois head coach Rod Carey there because ugly is the only way to describe that football game. There were 13 points scored between these two teams. Uh, BYU started the scoring, getting a field goal late in the first quarter, then went silent, um, unable to string together much on offense of anything of noteworthy success. Uh, Zach Wilson statistically had a decent day. Uh, final statistics for him uh, got him to 208 yards passing. It is his career high in passing yards. He was 18 of 30 with one interception. That was a lone turnover on the day, and it came right at the end of the game when BYU got the ball back looking to get into field goal range to win this game. Uh, Northern Illinois 
you want to talk about ugly, they won a football game by by a score of 7 to 6. They had 204 total yards on offense. They were absolutely masterful at executing their their game plan and Matt Ferentz, the name you just heard quoted by coach Carey, was the punter for Northern Illinois. 9 punts, 421 yards, an average of 46.8 yards per punt. Pinned BYU inside the 23 times. One of them, an inch-perfect punt that went out on the half-yard line. This game, I went back and watched it, and I'm not going to lie, I struggled to finish it because it was just an abysmal offensive football game. If you like defensive football, okay, this is a masterpiece because both teams were unable to string together anything of success. One drive, literally one drive for Northern Illinois, got them their touchdown to start the second half. They went down the field, punched it in, and that stood up as the winning score. 7-6, to six. once again, I can reiterate the, the scoring for you as many times as you would like me to hear, like me to say that. Marcus Childers, the quarterback for Northern Illinois, Averaged he we average of five point five yards per attempt passing. He completed ten of twenty one attempts. Man, two uh, one hundred and fifteen passing yards. Uh, Northern Illinois and BYU could not run the ball in this game. Both teams averaging two point five yards per carry. Just an ugly, ugly football game. Nothing that resembled anything of success remotely came out of this game. And I, I don't mean to be sound negative or bitter or whatever you may seem to be, but it was just a football game where these two defenses absolutely shut down the opposing offenses outside of uh, sparse success to get the seven and six points respectively. Third down conversions for both teams, Northern Illinois 3 of 14, BYU 3 of 15. So a combined 6 of 29 on third downs. It's just one of those games that you just sit back and you you marvel that you spent the 3 to 4 whatever hours watching that game and you wonder, what exactly would have, would have, have I accomplished here and what did I take in? And that's the tough part to, to associate with this. But watching this game, after re-watching it, seeing it live and then re-watching the game film, the replay of the game on TV, I came away thinking that this, in my opinion, was the least imaginative game plan that Jeff Grimes has compiled since he came to BYU. The game plan was vanilla. I honestly thought it was the most vanilla game plan I've seen from BYU under Jeff Grimes' direction. There was not a lot of imagination, it seemed like. You would think with two weeks, this offense would have had more tricks up their sleeve, so to say, more than a tackle-eligible play. I can tell you that tackle-eligible play has been in that playbook for at least four weeks. They've been waiting to use it. Uh, they didn't block the one guy they needed to block on the play. Brady Christensen's not fleet of foot enough to evade a defender, and it gets blown up. It lacked imagination. Where was the fly sweeps? They kept running the motions like fly sweeps. When did, I, honestly, they didn't hand it off all that often. I think Leva Hefo, I think I saw him carry it twice. Man, this was a clunker of a game plan. And you would think with two weeks, it would have been it would have been better. It would have been more thought out. It would have been well better executed. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But this this one falls on Jeff Grimes. 
And I don't say that just for myself. I think Kalani Satake said that in his post-game press conference. Here's Kalani Satake talking about what he wants, what he wants the style of his team, the mentality of his team to be in the post-game press conference. Here you go. Remember a few weeks back I talked about playing BYU style football and um, being aggressive and letting it rip, and that didn't happen tonight, today. So that's that's got to change. So we, we talked about um, being aggressive in all, all three phases and, and trying to find ways to make plays, and we didn't do enough in all three phases to win the game, you know. And so uh, you're going to look at the score and see it's 7-6. <laughs> you got to get more production from our offense and um, be more aggressive, you know, and establish our identity. I talked about having our using our identity and what we are and, and uh, went away from that today. Kalani wants aggressive play. He wants his team to be aggressive. It was a game plan that they came in thinking, okay, Northern Illinois can't score on offense. Our defense will shut them down. So we got to put up, let's put up 21 points and call it a day. You can't have that mentality when you're a program like BYU who's trying to dig out from a 4-9 and nine record. On Twitter, fans were irate over the weekend. I kept seeing tweets after tweets after tweets. I had friends reach out to me and say, what in the world was that? Why did I waste my money and go watch that game? BYU fans have been spoiled for 40 plus years. They have seen some of the most electric offensive attacks that have been ever developed in college football. They know good football when they see it. That's a credit to BYU fans. They are smart. They know offensive football. They know when an offense is putting up points. They know what it looks like, and they can disseminate it. Credit to you guys that are listening to this podcast. Tough loss. To see your team lose a game when your defense only gave up 7 points and 204 total yards. The opposing quarterback completed under 50% of his passes. They were 3 of 14 on third down. The only thing that defense could have done more was do what Utah did against Northern Illinois and score on defense to bell out their unimaginative offense. The Utes right now, they've unlocked their offense. They've put up 40 points in three straight weeks against Pac-12 Power 5 opponents. BYU, on the other hand, okay, they went and beat a milk-toast Hawaii defense, torched it for 49 points, went up against one of the MAC's best teams, the best defense in the MAC, a top-20 defense that in no way resembles Power 5 talent but plays as a unit. And what did they manage to do? Six points. Could have had nine on a 52-yard field goal that stayed wide right from Skylar Southam that might have won in the game. Not good enough. It's not good enough. BYU fans understand good football. There are smart BYU fans in those stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and they get it. You get it. You that are listening to the show, you get it. You have seen great football from BYU in the past. What we saw on Saturday was not great offensive football. Great defensive football, let's not get that confused. The defense played great. Hats off to them. Could have used a couple of turnovers to help out this offense, but they didn't get them. That's okay. The offense should have looked better. There should have been a better game plan in place. Aaron Roderick, Jeff Grimes, I'm putting that loss on them. Let me know what you think. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Jacob C. Hatch, at Locked on Cougars on Twitter. On Facebook, you can search us out, Locked on Cougars there. Or you can email me, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. 
that offensive attack has to be better. It has to have more imagination behind it. It needs to be more dynamic. Kalani Sitake said it. I'm saying it. And I think every one of you who are listening to the show would say it as well. If you've been a BYU fan in the last 20 years or even longer, you've seen great offense, and Saturday was not great offense. All right, I'll step off my soapbox for a moment here. We'll come back. We'll get some of your thoughts. Some of you tweeted in your thoughts after the game on Saturday. We'll get to those. Uh, get your reaction to the loss. Before we do that, though, do need to tell you about today's sponsor of the podcast, and that is our good friends at All Guard Pest Control right here in Utah, taking care of all your pest control issues, regardless of what it is. Termites, mice, ants, katydids, uh, box elder beetles, spiders, whatever you got, they can handle it. They have a singular focus on pests. They don't diversify their their portfolio in, in, in essence. The job Seth Baird and his team do is to focus on pests and do the best they can to make sure they never come back. And if they do come back, the good news is All Guard will come out and make it right, and they'll make sure that you're taken care of. You can give them a call, 801-851-1812. All Guard Pest Control, Seth Baird and his team, I have met with them. I've researched this company. I've looked at their online reviews. They do a phenomenal job. You can search them out yourself and look at those reviews. They're all five stars, top-of-the-line recommendations, and I recommend them as well. They'll make sure you're taken care of. And like I said, if it, if you have an issue that comes up again from the same original issue that came out to treat, they'll come back out and make sure you're taken care of. There's no contracts with All Guard. They make sure you, if you want a one-time treatment, they come out one time and get you taken care of. If you're like my wife and you like regular treatments to make sure no creepy, crawly things are getting in the house, they'll come out quarterly. You tell them what, they, what you want, they'll make sure you're taken care of. That's All Guard Pest Control. That's their promise to you. So give them a call, 801 801- 851-1812. Let them know that Locked On Cougars and Jake Hatch sent you. Love to uh, support companies here locally. All Guard Pest Control is one of those companies. So check it out. 801-851-1812. Your reaction to the loss against Northern Illinois next. This is Locked On Cougars. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Welcome back to Locked on Cougars. I'm Jay Catch. This segment, we're going to be talking about your reactions to the Northern Illinois game. And for good reason, a lot of frustrated fans out there. I saw it all weekend long. Fans sounding off about what BYU should have done different, what the mentality of this team is. Are they too soft? Are they, are they just thinking that they can walk in and beat up on other teams? I don't know what to, the correct answer is, but like I said in the last segment, that game, I think it goes squarely on the offensive coaching staff. That game plan was not up to the standard they had shown earlier this season in the other seven games they had played. In my opinion, you play any of those other seven game plans against Northern Illinois, and you likely win that game. But this was an unimaginative attack. 
I think this offensive staff thought they scored 20 points, they win this game, and they would have. We, we can look at the scoreboard and it would have been that. Should have been better. There's another element to it that goes with the youth of BYU, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. It shouldn't be an excuse at this point. We're in the latter half of the schedule. A lot of these young men, these freshmen, have played a lot of games at this point in the season. They've played a lot of reps. They've had a lot of reps in practice. They're no longer freshmen in my eyes. They need to be better, and they should have been better yesterday, especially on the offensive line. When you have three coaches on your staff who are dedicated to that offensive line, including the offensive coordinator, should have been better offensive line play. Those young men on that offensive line have no excuse. They've played a lot, like I just mentioned. There are some of the guys that have played the most reps of all of the freshmen that have played for BYU. There is an element of of youth that goes with this, but that loss does not... No, I don't see it. It's not It's not something that youth... I'm not using that excuse for this game. All right, let's get to your thoughts here. Uh, start off, Jeremy had the hottest of hot takes, in my opinion. I uh, sent this in. Jay Orton, 84, says, Time to look for a new head coach after what will be two of the worst consecutive years of BYU football in 50 years. All right, Jeremy, I understand your frustration, but here's the fact. Did you watch 2 3 4 under Gary Croton? Those were the worst consecutive years for BYU in 50 years, in my opinion. 4-9 was a historic season last year in terms of ineptitude. This year, I still believe BYU is going to get to 6-6. They're going to go to the postseason. Postseason for BYU at this point is getting to 6-6 and getting extra reps for a young team to get ready for next year, regardless of how the bowl game goes. They need to get to a bowl game. I think they still will. We'll talk about that more here in a moment, but Jeremy... They're not dumping Kalani Satake. I could see some coaching moves happening in the offseason, whether that's Kalani Satake's decision or somebody above him that's telling him to make a move, or other coaches have ultimately opportunities to go elsewhere. But I don't see BYU dumping Kalani Satake after this season, and you can quote me on that. They dump him, I will be literally stunned if he is out of a job after this year. Matt Barris, at Matt underscore Barris, reached out and said, I care less about win or a loss, but when they play without heart or look flat, that's what bothers me. I still love my Cougars, though, still in play for a bowl game, which is progress from last year. That's exactly it, Matt. There is a chance for a bowl game still, which would be a progress from last year, absolutely. That 4-9 the four and nine record from 2017 is deceiving to me. They weren't as good as 4-9 a year ago. This year, I think they're a 6-6 six and six team. That's just my opinion. That's the way I see it. Even after what we saw on Saturday with a 7-6 to six loss to Northern Illinois. He says that when they play without heart or look flat, that's what bothers me. I'm with you, Matt. Fans pay a lot of money to go out and watch BYU play with heart. And there have been a couple of games this year, and most of the games in 2017 for that matter, that BYU has lacked the heart it appeared on the field. These young men need to look inside themselves and find out their why for playing football. And I'm not saying the why, like why for BYU, like the why. What's what's their motivation for playing football? Find that, use it, and go out and play the game. Uh, Jeffrey B. at Jeff Beathers. He says, I'm honestly in shock after that one. Tough outing for the offensive line. When Wilson threw that screen on third and goal and BYU has fourth and two and couldn't score, it was ball game. I'm with you, Jeffrey. BYU got down to the five-yard line and it has two consecutive false starts. This offensive line was in disarray yesterday. 
it was just a bad, bad game for the offensive line. I'm talking across the board. Austin Hoyt was probably the best player on that offensive line, and you'd expect that him being a senior, but it still wasn't great. That offensive line is going to be doing a lot of up-downs, I think, at practice today and throughout this week. They're going to be doing some extra work because that might have been their worst performance collectively as a unit this year, and that's saying something considering some of the blowout losses they've had and some of the other struggles. Eight games in, some of the procedural penalties that literally drive Jeff Grimes mad were all over the place. Their fingerprints were all over it, so we'll have to figure that out. Taylor Chandler, at Taylor Chandler Zero, reached out and said, I didn't like the offensive play calling tonight. It seemed like every third down was third and long. Doesn't allow a freshman QB to have success. Defense did their job. Offense couldn't. That's what I said in that first segment, Taylor. Here's the thing. The defense did their job. The offense averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Absolutely abysmal. They got behind the chains consistently. 3 of 15 on third down. It was an awful, awful offensive performance. And I'm telling you, the game plan, in my opinion, was the worst one that's been put together this season. And you would have thought after two weeks having a bye week to get ready, BYU would have had a better game plan, and they didn't. Back to the drawing board for Jeff Grimes. Use that fly sweep. Go back to some of the things you used earlier this season. I know they've talked about this offense evolving with Zach Wilson at the controls. They feel like they can do more things. Well, get back to what you're doing well. The base packages that you struggled with earlier on this season seem to be coming along, and they took a step backwards on Saturday. Maybe don't diversify yourself quite yet. Focus on the basics. Make sure those are taken care of, and then build from there. That's just my opinion, and I'm with you, Taylor. The offense didn't do their job. Scotty Halls reached out and said, Why is UMass winnable in your eyes? Scotty, have you watched UMass play football? And I know you're probably going to retort, Well, BYU lost to them a year ago. That UMass loss a year ago is the worst loss in BYU in 30 years. I, you, I, you heard me right. That is the worst loss BYU has suffered in 30 years. There have been a lot of bad losses in that time and some great wins, but that is the worst loss in 30 years. That UTEP loss when UTEP had BYU's headsets tapped and got the massive upset for a team that was, what, 0-10? That's probably the worst loss in BYU football history, in my opinion. The UMass loss a year ago is probably number two on that list. There was inexcusable for BYU to lose to UMass. UMass barely beat a, a awful, horrendously awful UConn team in a pseudo-rivalry game on Saturday. BYU should be able to go back, to, back east, out to Gillette Stadium there in Foxborough, where there'll probably be 10,000 people at most cruising around that NFL stadium, and they should beat UMass. They need to get revenge for a year ago, because that was the worst loss in BYU football history in the last 30 years. You can quote me on that. I don't mind. I, I, it was an awful, awful loss, and I'll never get over that one. All right, a couple other things here. Um, eating. I'm eating go away. That's a great hash, That's a great Twitter name. I like that. I'm eating go away. It says, tough loss for the Cougs. Uh, QB play is just not doing it. Every game for the rest of the season will be meaningful at least. And that's true. You have Boise State coming up this week, which is a rivalry game. You have your arch rival at the end of the year in Utah. New Mexico State and UMass should be opportunities to get your uh, fifth and sixth wins, get yourself bowl eligible. There is meaningful, uh, meaningful games coming. So I like that eating, uh, QB play is just not doing it. I thought Zach Wilson wasn't the problem yesterday. I thought he did quite well. Uh, The running game failed BYU miserably. 
Uh, and then let's see, any other thoughts here before we wrapped it up? It looks like that is it. Oh, one other one here. Nope, that's it. That was a uh, was me re- uh, responding to my own tweet. So I'm not going to quote myself. I think you've heard me quoted a lot on this podcast. Uh, thanks for sending in your thoughts. Always feel free to send them in at Locked On Cougars at Jacob C Hatch. You can use the hashtag LOC. Stands for Locked On Cougars. Nice short hashtag. You can also reach out that way. We'll catch all of your thoughts there. All right, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back, let you know how the other teams in Provo performed over the weekend. It was a good weekend for the other teams in Provo. I'll tell you that much, and we'll tell you about them here in a moment. But do need to tell you about two of today's sponsors on the show. The first of which is Sling TV. Sling TV is here for you as a college football fan and a BYU football fan to catch all the games you may be missing. They want to make sure that you catch all of the college football games that are available. And for just $30 a month, you can get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. All the major networks to catch your college football. Of course, with Sling TV, you can stream it on your big screen and across all of your favorite devices. Sling TV's motto is it gives Gives you the live TV you love, only better. There are no useless channels. You pick the ones you want to watch with your contract. There are no long-term contracts. It's month to month. No hidden fees. It's all up front. You know exactly what you're going to be paying for. And of course, you can cancel at any time. Special offer for Locked On Cougars listeners is you can get a seven-day free trial to see if Sling TV is right for you and get you all the games you want to watch. Go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked Locked on, unlock that seven day free trial and see if it's the right option for you. Sling TV, it's there for you. They want to make sure you're taken care of, so check them out. Sling.com slash locked on. Today's show also brought to you by our good friends at Vivid Seats. Of course, Vivid Seats is here to help you have experiences at events that'll last you a lifetime, whether that's your favorite artists, your favorite football teams, BYU or otherwise. They want to get you to where you want to go in person and see who you want to see. Great, great practice. Prices from Vivid Seats and an easy purchasing experience are two of the hallmarks when you work with Vivid Seats. And if you use the promo code Locked On, you can receive $20 off your order of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer of Vivid Seats. What you need to do is go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the Vivid Seats app, and then use that promo code Locked On and you'll receive your $20 off your order of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Of course, all Vivid Seats confirmed orders have are backed up by a 100% guarantee so you have that peace of mind knowing that your tickets are valid and you'll be able to get out to the events you want to go to come out and see BYU play New Mexico State on senior day it's the last home game of the year you can save some money by using the promo code locked on with our good friends at vivid seats catching up on the other teams in Provo with quick hits next this is locked on Cougars As we close out today's show, I want to thank each and every one of you who have listened to the show and downloaded the podcast. It means a lot to me to hear from people that they enjoy the podcast. They feel like it gives them the information they need when it comes to BYU, and it's a one-stop shop. That's been my overarching goal for this podcast from the beginning, was that you could listen to this show in the 25 to 30 minutes, however long it is each day, and be up to date and know exactly what it was that you needed to know about BYU sports that day. 
Thank you once again for downloading the show. It's a blast. All right, as we close out today's show, let's talk about the other teams in Provo. Of course, BYU, that disappointing 7-6 to loss in football, didn't diminish what some of the other teams accomplished over the weekend. We'll start off with the top-ranked team in the country, the number one BYU women's volleyball team. They continued their with their sixth straight sweep, defeating Gonzaga on the road 25-19, 25-20, 25-23 on Saturday. Who else but uh, Roni Jones-Perry pacing the Cougars. She had 18 kills, 8 digs, and an ace. She hit 484 for the game. Helps BYU improve to 22-0, 12-0 in West Coast Conference play. Absolutely phenomenal. This women's volleyball team is worth the price of admission. They'll be back in action later this week on Friday, November 2nd, 7 o'clock Mountain Time in the Smith Fieldhouse. It's the only game this week. Go out and watch it. It'll be on BYU TV. The women's volleyball team, guys, I'm telling you, it's your chance to see one of the best teams in the country and the best teams that's ever come through BYU. So don't miss your opportunity to see this team in action. So that was just the first of good news over the weekend for other teams outside of football for BYU. Men's golf was in Stockton, California. Uh, he, uh, Peter Quest, who's had a great start to his season, he tied the lowest three-round score in BYU golf history, going 16 under par for the tournament. That's a PGA Tour sco- score in route to a Second victory of the year at the Visit Stockton Pacific Invitational over the weekend. BYU is a team, the 16th ranked team in the country, finished second overall. Hats off to you, Peter Quest. You should take a bow. He shot a final round 64 that was 7 under. It's the lowest 18 hole score in his BYU career. 16 under, man. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal showing for him. He finished the tournament at a total score of 197. Truly an impressive, impressive performance for BYU. Uh, hats off to BYU. They're going to be in action coming up next week. They'll be at the St. Mary's Invitational. That'll be November 5th through the 7th. We'll keep you updated as that draws closer. But hats off to you, Peter Quest. And another good showing for the BYU men's golf team. I would imagine a second-place finish should see them rise in the national rankings. And hopefully they can carry this momentum forward. Continuing with our theme of success for the men's and women's cross-country teams, it was another big weekend for them. They hosted the West Coast Conference Championships out at East Bay Golf Course, and they both came away victorious. The second-ranked BYU men's cross-country team, another phenomenal showing. They beat second-place finisher Portland by 31 points with a dominant 21-point performance. So hats off to the men's team. Uh, Connor McMillan led the way for the men's team, taking second place in 23 minutes and 23 seconds. The Cougars had four of their runners in the top five, so hats off to the men's team. They got a lot done there, and looking like they're going to round into form just in time, and they should challenge for a national title. I mentioned that they mentioned they've won the uh, conference title. It is their fourth consecutive conference title, their sixth in seven years. Six of the BYU runners received first-team All-WCC honors, two named to the second team, and Ed Eyestone, their head coach, received his sixth WCC Coach of the Year award. So hats off to the men's team. The women's team was not to be outdone either, though. They took first with a total of 27 points on the day, edging out second-place finisher Portland, who had 40 points. Erica Burke Jarvis won the WCC individual title. It was her third win of the season as well. She ran the course in 19 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, the women's team won their second WCC conference title since joining the conference in 2011. 
Erica Burke Jarvis also was named Runner of the Year in the West Coast Conference on the women's sides of things. The Freshman of the Year also went to Aubrey Frethenway. Hopefully I pronounce it Frenthway. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize. And also Coach of the Year went to Diljeet Taylor, who led the women's team to that win. Both of these teams looking like they're going to be rounding into form as the national championships approach, and hopefully they can both come away with good showings there. And now in the biggest uh, performance over the weekend, which is a big redemption story, goes to the women's soccer team. Michaela Colahan and Rachel Bingham Lyman netted goals in the first and second halves, respectively. BYU beat number six ranked Santa Clara 2 0 on their home field there at Southfield on Saturday night. It claims at least a share of the West Coast Conference title, gives them the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. So hats off to Jennifer Rockwood and her team. This is a young team that battled back from a lackluster 2017. We're talking similar to what the BYU football team did. They kind of fell off a cliff, so to say. They have battled back. So hats off to them taking down a top 10 ranked opponent to capture an NCAA tournament bid. This BYU women's soccer team has made great strides this year, and they should be very proud of themselves. There's only one senior on this team, so there's a future that is there, and it's very bright for Jennifer Rockwood. BYU is now 12-4-1 on the year, 7-1 in West Coast Conference play, and it's important that they got that automatic bid in the NCAA tournament. That means they're going back to the postseason after they missed out on it last year. They'll be on the road this week for the final regular season game. That'll be Saturday, November 3rd at 6 p.m. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 7 o'clock Mountain time. Game will, of course, be streamed on the W.TV, and you'll be able to hear the game on the BYU radio networks as well. So it should be a lot of fun to see how the women finish this out, and I would expect they get a victory and close it out in grand fashion. All right, there you go. Catching up on the other teams in Provo. Thanks again for downloading the show. Back tomorrow, get some of the thoughts on from Kalani Satake after he's had a chance to review the film and think about what his team did Saturday, having the weekend to reflect on it. We'll get his breakdown for you. Also get some of the players' thoughts as well. And, of course, we'll be your one-stop shop when it comes to all things BYU news. So whatever breaks between now and tomorrow, it'll be on tomorrow's show, and we'll have it all for you right here on Locked on Cougars. This is in the podcast for October 29th, 2018. Have a great day. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day